Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You know, 20 and 0 made sense, but I mean, it's uh, uh, he wasn't boasting about it. <laughs> That's not what he was doing, but he... He just said that's uh, that would be a great challenge, which it would be. I mean, we've got a you know we've got a pretty stiff schedule and uh, some great competition that we're going to play against. So um, I felt like he was really saying, "Listen, we all need to get busy and, and work our tail off uh, because of." That. So I, I have to say this before I go. I'm disappointed nobody asked me about the twin up. Uh, to me, it's about going in every single week with the mindset that we're trying to win. We're going to win. Um, and at, at the end of the day, whatever the record is, if it's 20 and zero or, or whatever it is, you're winning that last game of the season, uh, then you're going to be happy with whatever happened uh, earlier in the season. Oh, yes, sir. Arrowhead Pride presents Show and BK on the Chiefs. It's back again, episode three. And uh, listen, BK, you, you generally won't have to do this, but, but you might have to carry me a little bit. Today, I'm out here playing hurt. I'm playing like Pat with the toe injury. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. I'm not missing. I'm not injured. I'm just playing hurt. I had head surgery. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds really headless <laughs> head surgery. I had one of them Doctor Pimple Popper cysts in the back of my head. I mean, I had a cyst. It was ridiculous. Had that thing cut open. I had to sew it back up. All the they had to take the 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 sack out is disgusting, but I'm playing hurt. I'm, I'm I'm about ten hours removed from surgery, but that's all right. I'm still here for this, this podcast to kick it with you. So you got you're gonna have to pick me up a little bit tonight. Is this your flu game? Is is that what we're doing right now? This is your flu game. This is, this is my no. So I'm not the Jordan guy. This is my. I got poked in the eye by Draymond Green, and I and I, I like I'm seeing three baskets right now, like LeBron did. I'm seeing three baskets. So just shoot for the middle one, man. Just shoot for the middle one. one. My my greatness is gonna have to try to prevail. All right, let, let's get into this this um because this has been the talking point. It's so it's so sometimes to be honest, silly what things jump off. But Pat Mahomes. Uh, 20 and 0, someone, someone, someone hit him about a record. What record would you want to break? And it's, and he says, 20 and 0, I want to win every game. See, this goes back to what I talked about on the first episode. Yeah, because he's predicting 20 and 0. That's exactly what he said. No, he's not. No, he's not predicting it. I'm just saying, if you looked at his face when little buddy said it, and when I say little buddy, I mean Pat, when you look at his face, his face was there was no flinch, no smile. Like, nah, man. I'm not saying go 20 and 0, but there's a look of we we're out here trying to, to prove a point, and we're gonna try to win every last one of these bad boys. And I'm not laughing while I'm saying this. I'm dead ass serious. Like, well, you want to know what my goal is? I want to win every last one of these bad boys. I want to win 20 of them. I told you, I said they're gonna care about the regular season in a way that generally teams that go to back-to-back Super Bowls don't care about the regular season. They got something to prove, and that was the leader. 
That was the lead dog out there. Ain't afraid to throw out 20 and 0. He's not stupid. He knows when he says that BK, that this is about to become a thing, but I love it. I really do. And I'm generally not the guy that does this. As I've said, I am not Bob Fesco, 17 and 0, 20 and 0 this thing, but I, I love it. I love it. I got no issues with it. I got no qualms with it. I think it's the dumbest controversy in the history of the NFL though. Like, well, I, can't, I, second that. It's not I can't believe this has become a thing where it's like, wow, did Patrick Mahomes really guarantee that the Chiefs are going 20 and 0? Like, no, no, of course he didn't. And he's saying, I want to go undefeated. Yeah, so does Ryan Tannehill and so does Sam Darnold. And like, yeah, they don't they, have the balls to say it. I bet you when they, if they were asked, like, hey, do you have a team goal for this year? They'd probably say something to the degree of, yeah, we want to win a Super Bowl or whatever, right? Like, is this the same thing as that? No, maybe not. It's to a next the next degree, right? Because the Chiefs have a little higher aspirations than the Dolphins or the Titans. But it's the same thing. He was asked, what do you want to accomplish this year? And he said, win every game. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, I've heard a lot of Patrick Mahomes press conferences this is the kind of thing you expect from a Patrick Mahomes press conference. He was asked about a, a, a goal. He gave a team goal and we've made it into something that it's not. I, I have no issue with it whatsoever, but when I heard it, I thought it was super benign. And then suddenly it became the, the single biggest story in the NFL. Yeah. I just think the chiefs they're, they're showing like, you know, when you hear that, but I, I do think there's a level of confidence you got to have. Sure. You say that. I disagree with you. Sam Darnold out here, just trying not to see gold this year. That That's what he ain't talking about. Nobody winning no more games. Sam Darnold, has he seen three wins in a season? So no, I don't think Sam has it. There's a level of confidence to say it and have that straight look on your face. The way Pat had it. Like, yeah, we're trying to win every one of these games, man. That's, that's the record. I want to break. I don't care about these, these individuals, that's the one I want to break. And I like it because it shows, like, the, the, the Chiefs are, are like, they're like the Sopranos, man. They're like my favorite all-time show, Atlanta, right? Like, like they, are, they are the real deal, right? They're not overrated like The Wire. They are, they, they are the real Excuse deal. me, what? Yeah, the most overrated show in in of all time right okay, they're well, not like the, the wire is the the san francisco 49ers the baltimore ravens just teams that are just overrated like that is the chiefs are not the wire the chiefs are sopranos atlanta straight up and he's coming out let you know man we we're about this we're the best and we're gonna try to win every last one of these bad boys don't look at me like that yes i said it the wire is it was widely talked about as the greatest show ever made, and it's got a full season that I can't watch. Oh, yeah. two, Don't watch season five. Well, season five ain't great either, but season two is like a completely different show, and it took me three to six months to finish just season two. Now, three and four, big time, but season two... It, 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 you can't you can't be the greatest show of all time if you have a complete season that you can't even get through. So I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's it's overrated from it's a great show. But when you say best show of all time, it's the San Francisco 49ers. 
It's overrated. Kyle Shanahan has had like three losing seasons out of the four. They're overrated. Don't shake your head. Is that sort of don't shake your head? Both of you don't shake your head. quarterback got hurt in those three seasons, but whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll move beyond that. Um, I, I disagree with your point on the wire. I just want to put that out there. So it's in the public domain. Um, but to kind of like take your, your Sopranos reference a, a step further, the Sopranos was one of the first shows that there was like a true anti-hero that people rooted for. Right. And then Breaking Bad kind of took that same idea, that same concept. You you don't like Breaking Bad either? Oh, oh, I love it. That's another. Great, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's so not they took the anti-hero and like what was possible because of the Sopranos, they then took and made it into a, a different format, different show, of course, but a great show nonetheless. That's what the Chiefs are right now with Patrick Mahomes. Like what you saw from guys like John Elway and Aaron Rodgers, where they had these quarterbacks that were doing things similar to what you're seeing for Patrick Mahomes, the chiefs are trying to take those same concepts and then perfect them. Right. And they're trying to do it at an even higher level than what those teams have done in the past. And Patrick Mahomes knows that. And he knows, I would imagine this is probably his best chance over the next couple of years to really accomplish something like this. It's going to be harder and harder as he his contract continues to become a little bigger for the Chiefs to be able to surround him with the talent that they have right now on the roster. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, this is generational. Those two guys, you can make a legitimate argument right now, are the best at their position. Then they go out and add top 10-ish left tackle, top 5-ish offensive guard. You've got as much talent as any offense right now, blue chip player-wise, has ever had really and so it's possible that the Chiefs could do this I'm not going to predict it I'm not saying they're going to go 20 and 0 this year but if ever there was a team that could do it preseason wise it's it's one of these Patrick Mahomes led offenses no that's what I'm saying like I think they they know they can be special and I think they are like they have a quest to be special which as I've said before you generally don't see from a team that's accomplished what this team has accomplished. But like I said in the first episode, they are ticked off. And you can see, like Patrick Mahomes, like I said, man, that dude is – he understands what he was going to say. Like, you would listen to it, right, BK? And you didn't – it wasn't nothing. It wasn't – it shouldn't have been a controversy. But Pat's not stupid. Pat knows as soon as that rolled out of his mouth, oh, that's going to be a thing. And he's and he's been calculated since he's been in here. And I think he wants people to know, like, this is where we are. Like, we we want to go whooping ass this year. And um and 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 I I I love the confidence and it's going to be fun to see because sometimes, man, you all watch the games. Punk ass Serta, you watched it too. He the Chiefs sometimes slept walk through game they didn't really care the Jets game they didn't care the Panther game they didn't like I think you're going to see greatness to the test where they care about these games and care in a way to just punish people and I I'm, I'm you're seeing it right off the bat from Patrick Mahomes and I'm I'm getting sports excited I really am I'm, I'm getting excited and first up so you brought up somebody I need to address this. I'm going out of turn. I need to address this. You brought up Orlando Brown. Uh huh. BK, you please explain to me why he chose the number he chose. What number did he chose, Ron? 50 damn seven. You've got to be kidding me. First off, I'm a numbers person. You play certain positions 
There are available numbers. Oh, this has been a rough off season for you, my man. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, there are available. No, I mean, now, now, if they've changed the number system, that's cool, right? But I'm talking you ready for defensive tackles wearing the number five. It's going to be oh, great. Oh, I'm into that. But I'm just saying, if you are a a, a tackle, you don't wear no 57. You don't wear a bad linebacker number. Now, every time I see him, I see him now. I saw him run over Tyreek Hill, and I'm sitting there saying, Breland Speaks, get your ass off the field. That's all I see is Breland Speaks. 57? See, I'm a little concerned about his decision-making right now. 78 is still available. That is a perfectly great left tackle number. Give me 75, Jonathan Ogden, uh, Orlando Pace, 70. Give me a good, strong 57. I mean, how did he even get 57? I'm trying to think, in all seriousness, who are the all-time great number 57s? Is Tom Jackson? That's what comes to mind. (laughs) Tom Jackson from the Denver Broncos wore 57. Is that the greatest number 57? I mean, mean, he's not. I looked this up, Ron. Uh, according to to Google, it's Dwight Stevenson, a center oh, for the Miami the Dolphins Dolphin. in the 80s. Oh, That's the best one to ever do it. And he's in the Hall of Fame. But that is just, he's got, I mean, and he can, he's hes so important. that Clay Matthews. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. He's a guard. That, that that feels better at guard. But hes he's got a type of guy where he can bum rush anybody on that team for his number he wants. And let me hold a uh, let me hold that 70, 70, whatever. I don't care. There's nobody on the offensive line that gets the number choice over him. And he, he went in there and chose and raised his hand and said, I want 57. Well, you heard what you heard what the story was, right? Please, no, it, it, please enlighten me on the story. It's a combination of I feel bad. Do what? If this has something to do with like cancer or ALS or something, I'm going to feel awful. No, it's not that bad for you. It, okay. it, it's it's part his dad's number and part Jamal Brown's number, his mentor. So two people who've passed. Okay. Jamal Brown's around. I thought Jamal Brown. Oh, did you just kill Jamal Brown? Did we kill Jamal Brown on this podcast? I thought he did. I thought he was dead. <laughs> He's not. Well, good. I feel better about it. Let's see it. Now his dad thing. That's. That feels no, nope. I'm sorry. That's not 72 is available. He could have gone 72. That would have been better. 78. He was 78 in Baltimore. That's a strong left tackle number. A strong, it's going to take me a half a year to not look at Breland Speaks. It's going to take me a half a year not to look at that. He couldn't have taken 70 from Prince Tiguanoga. Yes, he could take, he could bum rush all their asses. Like, there's no one on this team that he couldn't, that's an offensive lineman number. Like, he could do it without paying. Like, man, I'm, you know what, man, I'm not even going to give you 15 stacks. I just want that number. So just give me the damn number. Like, uh, 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 Larry T., the Canadian doctor, hey, I'm going to need to hold that 76. I don't give a damn what kind of work you've done. I don't care if you're a doctor, how long you're doing it. I'm going to need 76. And he could have took it. But well, he, Larry, Larry, I don't even know if he's going to be here. Uh, apparently, he hasn't shown up to any of these OTAs yet. And since you went out of order, I'll go ahead and do the same, Ron. Um, to what? I think Larry's been drinking. He's had enough. I think he got that year off, and he just said, to hell with this, man. I'm going to drink my Canadian whiskey, and I'm about to, I'm about to be good. 
I was listening to Chris Long's podcast earlier today. He he had uh, Julian Edelman on, and Chris Long was like, "Man, when you retire, it's as if for for your entire life you were a dog that was out in a yard, and there was an invin- invisible fence up." And then when you retire, that fence goes away and you can suddenly like meander around. You're like, damn, why did I live all my life inside of that fence? And once you go outside of that fence, you can never go back in it again. Larry looks like a guy that'll let himself go. Hang on a second. Larry's out here saving lives. You can't just accuse him of having a drinking problem. No, I didn't say he had a drinking problem, Serta. I said he's out having drinks. Okay. Then it's when you retired, like. You, you reti- like I think Larry, as I said, Larry, if he doesn't have football, Larry never retired though. And he didn't. I know, but I'm. I mean, come on, he's going to play somewhere else. I, I'm having a hard time seeing the numbers of the spot that he that he takes here in Kansas City. But I think he might just look at it and say, "Man, let me put my feet up and let me just start drinking this Canadian whiskey and and, and spring water." Let I don't start- know what. I don't know what he's doing right now, but I know he ain't at OTAs. And it it's kind of on my radar right now, Ron, the guys that haven't been to OTAs yet. It, it didn't stun me that LDT hasn't been there so far. That It doesn't. And to me, it does a little bit because, like, he's not, like, he's not secure. Like, I, I think he might know the writings on the wall in Kansas okay. City. I, I, I think that might be what's happening there. There are three guys, though, that have not, according to reports, and maybe they've been there when media is not allowed in, but based on everything we know, these three guys have not been yet to OTAs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Frank Clark, and Charvarius Ward. Now, Clyde, maybe this is an injury thing. I mean, most of these guys that are injured are going in, they're getting their treatment, they're still around the team, so it's a little surprising that a second-year player isn't there, even if he is injured. Maybe he's just going down fishing, seems to like doing that, but I don't know. It's strange to me that he's he's not there. Frank and Charvarius are the two that are really surprising to me. Frank's supposed to be the leader on this team. And if he's not out there at OTAs, that's a bit concerning to me. And Charvarius Ward's in a contract year this year. It, is he holding out? What, what's going on with Charvarius? The, these three are really surprising to me, Ron. Yeah, I think you got to look at the backdrop too, BK. You know the Players Association they are, you know, telling some of these players or, or, or saying, like, maybe we should boycott some of these non-mandatory events. And and you knew there were, there were going to be numbers of players not attending OTAs because this is this is something they're trying to show. But those those three shouldn't be. It should. Is it me? It shouldn't be a rule. If Pat's there off of surgery, you need to be there. Like the Frank thing, as you said, Frank fancies himself as a leader. Well, you need to be laying that foundation down. You got a quarterback out here talking about, no, dead ass serious, man. You know, 20 and 0 is what we're thinking. And you supposedly to be one of the leaders on the defense. And I and I believe Frank thinks he's the leader of the defense in his mind. You ain't there. You ain't there. Like at the very least in street clothes, working with Taco Charlton, you're not there at least in street clothes, working with the defensive line, laying the foundation out. Is, Ty- is Tyron Matthew there? Yes. Yeah. Like I mean, they're all of the leaders of the team. The so Tyron's trying to get a new contract. Like it, that, yes. I would understand more if Tyron wasn't there than if Frank's not there. Well, hold on, and and, and we and we expressed this last week, and you talked about it, saying, "Hey, this this is a year that." Frank needs to not play around with. And you just, are you going to kick this thing off by saying, nah, man, I'm good. Especially year after you didn't have OTAs. Like 
if there's any coach in the NFL that believes in OTAs, it's Andy Reid. That dude is super regimented. He's got exactly the way that he's going to maintain every practice from now until the start of the season. He's doing it that way for a reason. And for, for Frank to not be there for this team in this year with that coach, it's really surprising to me. And so I, I, I'm disappointed to see that, honestly. And I know these these are optional. So, like, I'm not – I'm not trying to be out here like um, being paternalistic or anything, but come on, man. If, you, if you're going to be one of the leaders of the team in, in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and uh, Tyron Matthew, all these guys are out there. Why aren't you there? And where's Charvarius Ward? What's, Tra- what's Charvarius doing? Out here just making bad decisions. Out here just because that don't make no sense. You better, there better be an injury or something. Like nobody, this isn't baseball where somebody's got to worry about their visa because they can't come over from 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 the Dominican. Like y'all should y'all should be here. It should like I just for where this team is and what it seems like this team is about. Like it's got to be a real thing for you to be missing, and I and maybe and maybe you know what maybe BK we are taking taking too much of this. Maybe it's maybe it's just a big deal because there are there are players around the league that are missing, but I just you lose in the Super Bowl the way you did. Everybody was was hurting and struggling with this and coming back with a vengeance or whatever I just said. Vengeance, vengeance. I can't say it right now. It's the head injury. But and you're and you're out and you're not there. Like what? Like seriously, BK, what are you doing? Like, like, what are you doing that <laughs> that is that is better than the alternative of being there and playing and learning and, and starting the camaraderie with this team? What are you doing? And this is one of those things where I do think it matters what the context is, right? Green Bay, I get it. If you're one of Aaron Rodgers' receivers and you're showing a sign of solidarity with him that you're not going to OTAs, all right, that's a little different. If you're in Seattle right now and you're like half of their team isn't going to OTAs apparently, and they're all like working out literally a mile down the street at a gym, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but whatever. If you're all doing that and you're deciding as a team, hey, these things aren't that important. We're all going to kind of go do our own thing. Okay, that's a little different too. The Chiefs, it's like 80 of the 90 guys are there. And of those 90, I think it's 87 so far that have at least been to some portion of them or 85 or whatever. It's the vast majority have been there. And these are the three that stand out among the veterans that have not. And it, it's, I'm just very surprised by it. Ho- hopefully there's a good reason and yeah. we'll find out about that later on. But as of today, if there's not a good reason for it, it's, it's a pretty baffling decision by all three yeah. of them. The balls that would be on, especially Clyde and Charverius, that would be something. If they just said, nah, man, we going to chill. We at, we at the house. Or we're in Arizona somewhere working out away from somebody else. We just go chill. Frank is the one that's most disappointing because you are supposed to be a leader and view yourself as a leader. And all the other – Chris Jones is there. Uh, Tyron Matthews is there. Pat's there. Kelsey uh, Hill, they're there. And you're – I'll be there when I get there. That's, uh, you know, that, that that's something people remember when you go in here and try to make speeches. I mean, you weren't even here at the beginning. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I think it is a bigger deal. And I think context means something. And the context that this team 
especially its leaders appear to be on a mission to get to take care of business that they didn't take care of last year in the Super Bowl, which starts right now. Pat, toe surgery, surgery, and he's in there, and your ass is gone. Frank, Javarius, Clyde, it better be a good-ass reason that your ass ain't in camp. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. All right, BK, man, if these Chiefs are going to get anywhere close to 20-0, and 0, and that's not what it's really about, but anything close to the Super Bowl, one of the things that they've got to improve, I mean, that red zone defense is has been a struggle for them. It was a struggle for them last year. It cost them at times, and we saw it in the Super Bowl, catch them in multiple ways, um, both passing and running the football. Um that's that's got to be something that has to change and improve for them to get to where they want to get to. Yeah, Ron, you've been talking about 20 and 0, you've been talking about the Super Bowl, you've been talking about them being the Golden State Warriors, all these different things, right? None of that matters if they can't stop a nosebleed in the red zone. And last year they were not just bad in the red zone, they were historically bad. The only team in the last decade to allow touchdowns at a higher rate in the red zone than last year's Chiefs was the 2018 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The only team. They were the second worst of the last decade when it came to allowing touchdowns in the red zone. And one of the issues is, once again, they couldn't stop the run. And so over the last week or so, you've heard a lot of Chiefs. I heard it from Steve Spagnolo today. You heard it last week from Tyron Matthew. Anthony Hitchens was one of the guys that talked about this. They are emphasizing this in a big, big way this offseason, starting now in OTAs, and then they're going to continue to do so all the way into training camp. One thing that has to get better, as I said, was the, is that running game. They had 63 carries against them, Ron, last year in the red zone. 14 of those 63 resulted in a touchdown. 25 resulted in a first down. So of those 63 carries, about 40 of them ended up with either a first down or a touchdown. You don't have to be a mathematician. That's like two-thirds of the carries against them in the red zone ended up being a successful play. That is horrible. I mean horrible. And so if you're looking for one area where this defense can improve next year, that's it. They were pretty good with turnovers. They were pretty decent in terms of like their overall success rate on any individual play between the 20s. Once they got into the red zone, though, they were without question the worst defense in the NFL. And the part that is annoying – to cheese fans is, and I don't know, maybe you'll disagree, but BK, they just got too good of players yep. for that to be the problem, right? You're, and even last year, right? They just had their defensive line was one of their strengths, if not their strength 
on the on on the on the defense, and they just get run through. And I'm gonna be honest with it. I got I go to a lot of the stars and the top guys, and I think at a lot of moments like that, and he's probably my favorite chief. I think Chris Jones gets selfish down there a lot, and the reason why I can relate to it. Because when I was at Blue Springs High School under the tutelage, oh yeah, you, you were there. You were there, Chris Jones. Well, I'm not saying I was there, Chris Jones. I was not. I mean, that did win a state championship, <laughs> but I was not there, Chris Jones. I had a Chris Jones mentality. I'm rushing the passer every time. That's what I'm doing. I, you know, I was not a good play against Rockhurst because I am. I am rushing the passer. Every time I'm coming around and I'm leaving my gap wide open because I'm doing rips and swims to, to get to the passer. And I think Chris Jones far too often is looking to make a big play, looking to make the big play instead of just being right there and leaving gaps and holes available. And a lot of times you see guys just run right where he was or he is. And I think there's a lot of rushing the passer, a lot of, let me let me try to swoop around and make a big play in the backfield, but you leave your whole gap completely wide open. And so I I, I really look at, at, at a guy like him who I think is uh, one of the most important players on this team and I think the best player on the defense. He gets selfish down there because he's always trying to make a big play. And listen, I understand it because that, 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 that was my philosophy, but that, that hurts them down there and Chris Jones has to pick it up. Yeah, and I think that's why you're seeing the reports now that he might kick out to defensive end more often. Like on rundowns, first and second down in particular, I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. They signed Jaron Reed, which is one of the most underrated signings of the Brett Beach era. That's a, he's a big he's a big monster. He's I huge. Mean, that's a big son of a bitch. And I'm he's good. Right he can he can play. So I I think that's a huge signing and it gives them so much flexibility with Chris Jones because now you can kick Jones outside. It's the first time we've talked about this for a couple of years now, but it's the first time we're all off season. It has been a plan apparently of having Chris Jones get significant snaps out on the outside so he can learn. Okay, here's what I need to do against this specific formation. Here's what I do in this uh, in this scheme. Like he has more time to understand what his responsibilities are for Steve Spagnuolo, a defensive end now, as opposed to when he's learning it the week of the Titans game and looks horrible whenever he's out there at defensive end. I don't think he's going to look that way this year. So you're going to see more of him outside. You're going to see more Jaron Reed with Derek Nottie on the inside. That makes you much better against the run. And then you've got guys like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, who should be much better at flowing to the football this year than the linebackers they've been throwing out there in recent years. This defense should be much improved against the run, but yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, it, it should be. They At least, man, at least in that part of it, like mm. at least in that area, man, you've got like the, with this team and this offense, the ability to force threes besides seven, man, you ain't got to be great. The ability to force threes instead of sevens that's a win for this are, team are huge because they that's when that's when coaches on the other side start freaking out oh god i gotta take chances oh i gotta i gotta do i gotta do more because i'm putting up three threes and they're stuck like that is that is that is just huge and they've gotta they've gotta buckle down 
right there. By the way, the Chris Jones thing, I love, I love the moving him around aspect. One, I felt like teams started to kind of understand where he was going to be and what they could do and, and how you could frustrate him. Um, and cause I remember the first time he played, I remember him really playing outside. It was like the Vikings game a couple years ago. Titans. I think it was the Titans game. Titans. Whenever they got I, ran I all rem- over. I remember him in a, in the Vikings game. Um, it was a game that Pat was out. Um, mm-hmm. and he was, and he was moving up and down and really playing D end a lot. And I was like, dude, that hell, he might be your best defensive end. That might be your best combination. I like him being able to have the ability to move around and offensive coordinators not be able to just know where they're going, where he's going to be and how they can attack him and make it easy to double team him and things like that. He's your best guy up front, definitely. And you got to use him. And if he has the ability, which he does to play outside, play outside, move him around. I, I think you treat him. He's not, I'm not saying he's these players, but I think you treat him the way the Texans used to treat J.J. Watt, the way that the Rams will treat uh, Aaron Donald at times. Uh, once again, before anybody freaks out, I'm not saying Chris Jones is is NFL multi-time defensive player of the year guy. But I'm saying is for the Chiefs, they should use him that way to free him up um, uh, at times to get him more options at times. I heard Steve Spagnolo say something today that really caught my ear. Um, and I want to first tell you or remember back to Peyton Manning on the Broncos. I remember when, when he would find a mismatch against the chiefs, it was over. He was going to that the entire game after that. I remember. Yeah. Marcus Cooper, it, it basically ended his chief's career. It was, it was game over. He was never the same after that. He just, he saw, Oh, I'm going to pick on this guy all game long. And he did it. And so he would hunt those mismatches in a way that I'm not sure I've ever seen any other quarterback at the NFL level do. And Steve Spagnuolo talks today about finding those mismatches for Chris Jones and finding a place on the offensive line that they can exploit where Chris Jones may be against uh, the first week of the season against the Browns. Maybe he lines up inside more often because they've got good offensive tackles. Uh, maybe later on in the season when they're going up against a team like the Chargers, for example, they've got a rookie tackle that they're expected to put out there. Maybe you put him out there against the rookie tackle to find out, hey, can this guy hang up, hang with Chris Jones? And if not, okay, we're going to send him outside a little more after, often. Same thing against uh, Philly. Okay, we're going to line him up outside a little bit. Let's see if Chris can get this mismatch and work it. That's something the Chiefs haven't done a ton of. They do some more of those games and stunts up front than they did under – Um, Bob Sutton but they don't do a whole lot of lining up the defensive tackles outside that's really rare because you need a rare player to do it having a guy like Chris Jones that can do that this year and being willing to exploit those mismatches is going to be a huge thing for this team no and 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 Jaron Jaron Reed is a big key to this though especially if he's going to be the one that's used. Am I off? Did, did Jerry Reed, didn't he have like a double digit sack season? So did I think he had it's a 10 sack season two years ago. I think it was seven and a half was his high, but he's been, he's been great, man. Um, I looked up some of his numbers a little earlier over the last four years. Like everybody knows Geno Atkins, right? He's kind of a, a household name as a defensive tackle. His numbers are very similar over the last four years to what Geno Atkins has done for the Bengals. And he's been a guy that we've talked about as a potential trade target at times in the past for the Chiefs, actually. Um, so Geno Atkins last four years, 
27 tackles for loss, 50 quarterback hits, 23 sacks. Jaron Reed in that same time, 21 tackles for loss, so a few less, 54 quarterback hits, four more, and 20 sacks, so three fewer. Very similar in terms of the type of production that you can expect. Now, Jaron Reed isn't a guy that's going to win like Chris Jones does. He doesn't have that same quickness, that same explosion. Um, He's a guy that is going to win slowly. And if you've got Chris Jones getting into the back of the pocket and they force the quarterback up, that's where you're going to see Jaron Reed win. Yeah, 2018, he had 10 and a half sacks. Wow. 10 and a half sacks. That was a year. Yep, that was a year Clowney went there. And uh, and um, he was able, with those two guys, was able to eat. That's why it's important because the thing that Chris Jones does does do, and it's we, we all know it's harder to defend, uh, to stop a pass rush when it's right up the gut. He does like it, it, you don't you do you do have fear and I could see Spagnola having fear of man I don't know if I want to lose the ability to get pressure right up the middle right immediately with Chris Jones because sometimes Chris Jones just ruins a play because he's able to get there so fast but if Jaron Reed from the inside can go back to the 2015 2018 level where he's I mean. Ten and a half sacks from the inside—that is—that's big time. That's Chris Jones' numbers. Like, um, if he can supply that to allow you to still be able to have uh, the the pressure in the middle to still get pressure up the gut, Chris Jones on the outside, and then you know, hopefully Frank starts to win more of those stalemates on the other side. Uh, like you got, you got, you got something there where you're not, you're be able to move Chris Jones, but not losing the ability to still rush the passer from the inside, which is really, really important. And what I think you'll see Ron in those obvious passing downs, like third and six or longer, I think you'll see Chris Jones kick back inside. I think you'll still see that. I think you'll see Jaron Reed and Chris Jones inside with taco Charlton, probably on one side and Frank Clark on the other. And that is that's some damn good pass rush potential there. I mean, Taco Charlton, I know people might laugh at this. He was good for the Chiefs last year when he was healthy. He looked like he was potentially going to have, remember that Emmanuel Ogba season a couple of years ago that the Chiefs got? I, yeah. I think you were about to see that out of Taco Charlton. He had two sacks in his seven healthy games for the Chiefs, along with four quarterback hits. I, It's not out of the realm of possibility. You get a seven, eight sack season this year from Taco Charlton. Yeah, he was cool. I don't know if I'd, I'd spread to good. He was he was cool as a was, a, as a situational was, pass rusher. He was, yeah, he was cool. But you're gonna expect a lot from him. I mean, he was a first round. You would like to see the guy that the Dallas drafted in the first. You would like to see that. But I mean, he's gonna certainly have opportunities, especially if Frank is sitting out. I feel like I pick on Frank Clark, and I really don't mean to. Uh, I mean, a little bit, but but anyway, he's gonna have opportunities because that's. Uh, as hell, that may be his job, especially in passing downs. But they should get better. But overall, but but to, to, to your bigger point is like that. That has to be a point of emphasis. They can't just just give up as many touchdowns that they were giving up in the red zone. I mean, and I and I think a part part of that is a lack of some maybe some focus at times. And they and they the Chiefs were the king of flip the switch on and off whenever we want to. Oh, all right. The game now we got to play serious. So we'll, we'll get stops. We need to, they got to, they should have a little bit more focus. So it doesn't look that bad. I think last year they had too many of the same guys. I I think we looked at that coming. I think we looked at it coming into the season as a positive, the whole run it back thing. 
And I think it ended up being a little bit of a negative because all of those guys saw in 2019, that season when, of course, Patrick Mahomes comes back from the injury, they end up going to the Super Bowl and winning against the 49ers. They saw that they could turn it on. All they needed was a healthy pat. And then when they get got to the playoffs and then even in the playoffs, once they turned it on in the second or third quarter, it was over game over. Nobody could play with them. I think they saw that and they felt like, okay, we can turn this, we can turn the flip this switch whenever we need to. And they couldn't, they weren't good enough last year. Eventually it got to the point where you can't just continue to do this every week and think you're going to get away with it. And I think this year you have enough of an influx of new talent, especially with a guy like Jaron Reed, who I think is going to immediately come in as a starter. I I think you've got some new blood on the roster that's going to help this team kind of push to that next direction. Yeah, this D-line has to step up, and I think the linebackers, you mentioned it, uh, should have better speed and better flow to go from sideline to sideline. So, yeah. they. It's going to be hard to get worse. (laughs) Yeah, especially from 53. But, uh, I I mean, I just – as we said, last year and definitely this year, they just got too good of players over there to to suck, to be not just bad, right, but all-time bad, right? They, I mean, all-time bad like they were in the red zone. They just got too good of players to do that. D- did you hear Anthony Hitchens, by the way, say he lost a little weight this offseason? He's slimming down. Uh, I'm not even going to accept. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to let – nope. Tony – Tony Hitchens, I, I mean, God, is he? He's showing up at me. God, it, he's somebody. Oh that, yeah, he's somebody could take a walk. Can they not get out of that contract yet? Good Next year, God Almighty, you got one more year. That's what Nick Bolton's here for, man. He, he's got to learn. He's got to learn for a year. I, I will say this. Okay, something else. I hope that he doesn't came, learn from him. <laughs> something else. He needs to learn how to take notes, apparently, because. Uh, Anthony Hitchens said he's not a big note taker, which is kind of problematic. You, you kind of need to do that as a, as an NFL football player, but neither here nor there. Um, one thing I did hear from Spags today that concerned me a little bit. He said that Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are kind of swimming right now in the defense. I don't want to hear that about young players. If there's one thing I like hearing, it's what I heard from the offensive line coach earlier today about Creed Humphrey. He said he's really smart and he's taking to the offense very quickly. He's a, he has an understanding of the offense right away. Man, I really would have liked to have heard that about Nick Bolton, that linebacker. Well, yeah, I hear you, but I can at least accept it from him. I, I'm trying to figure out what Willie Gay is swimming for. Yeah. I mean, Willie, you've been here. You know, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like old Demarcus. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like Demarcus Robinson. Oh, Demarcus Robinson, who he Demarcus swam for about three and a half years. He could pick up that offense. He struggled like hell to understand the offense. So, and Willie Gay is, and he's going to be somebody you depend on. So you hope you hope to God that he is able to get to get this together and and understand this defense because he's obviously got a lot of talent and flashes. Um, so, so he, yeah, he better get it together. I can accept it from a rookie, not, not Bill Gay. He's one of their biggest swing players this year. Like if you're looking for guys that if they, if they hit their potential this season, uh, it can change the trajectory of what the team's going to be. Willie Gay's right up there. He, he is the true modern linebacker. He runs a four, five, four, six, 40. He's super athletic. He plays downhill. He should be an every down linebacker for him. They drafted him to be that, but if he's not, well, they've got some issues at linebacker once again this year. Yeah, they got one. And he's got a great name, Bill Gay. Love it. 
fantastic name. All right, BK, another one in the books, baby. BK, we uh we killed it as usual. Uh, Serta, we thank you for jumping in with us a little bit. Do you have a? I'm sorry, I just don't know how large your chin is. That's I, I don't know how you've never noticed this. It's, I feel like I every picture noticed. that I take, I feel like my chin is the most prominent thing. I've never noticed it. Wow. I don't think you think I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this in so everybody can hear it at the end of the podcast. He's got the large chin, I've got the small head. <laughs> there we go. And Ron's got a hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And Ron's getting operations on his head. <laughs> I'm bleeding. I'm currently bleeding down the side of my head, probably right now. Alright, man, that's a wrap, man. Thanks for listening. Each and every Friday, we are appointment listening. Arrowhead Pride presents show and BK on the Chiefs. And hey. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. First off, I'm a numbers person. You play certain positions. There are available numbers. Oh, this has been a rough off season for you, my man. <laughs> I'm just saying. There are available. No, I mean, now, now, if they change the number system, that's cool, right? But I'm talking. You ready for defensive tackles wearing the number five? It's going to be great. Oh, oh, I'm into that. But I'm just saying, if you are a. A, a tackle. You don't wear no 57. You don't wear a bad linebacker number. Now, every time I see him, I see him now, I saw him run over Tyreek Hill, and I'm sitting there saying, Breland Speaks, get your ass off the field. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.